Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Y'all, um, we are so glad you're here, Inland and Charlotte, and uh, look forward to hearing what you've got to say this morning. Y'all give it up. Warm welcome for Inland Bailey. Hey, good morning, everyone. All right, let me just uh, get set up here for us. So, like Brother Bob said, my name is Emlyn Bailey. I know it's a strange name. I've never met one I wasn't related to. So, uh, but, uh, but I am from Birmingham. Uh, that's where I grew up. Um, but I myself am a Teen Challenge graduate. Uh, Ten years ago, I went through Teen Challenge, and uh, I, God really touched my life while I was there. It changed me, and I was never the same after that. After Teen Challenge, I stayed as an intern for a year. Then after that, I stayed on for about another four months before I went to Dallas to go to Bible college. Now, while I was in Dallas, I had the opportunity to go to Thailand and Laos and Malaysia, Indonesia, Burma, all these places to go and minister just because... I just, I just said, whatever the Lord told me to do, I was like, all right, I'll do it. The Lord told me to go sign up for this mission trip. I don't know how I'm going to pay it, but all right, I'll do it, Lord. And God just kind of led me to do all those things. After I graduated Bible college, uh, you know, I met my wife at, at our church and, uh, and we got married shortly after that. We were on staff at a church out in Dallas, kind of like in a, an associate pastor role for for almost five years before uh, we came back here to take over this Teen Challenge about a month and a half ago. So we packed up everything that we owned, uh, put it in a storage unit, and we moved out here, uh, living in my childhood bedroom currently, uh, just because just we needed to get out here because we wanted to be a part of what God's doing in these men's lives. So uh, since being out here in Selma, it's, been, it's just been awesome. Uh, just the community, everybody has been so supportive. The guys, y'all, y'all are doing pretty good, I guess, you know. Uh, but um, but we have just Charlotte and I have just really, really loved being out here, and uh, and so I'm really excited to get to come and share a little bit this morning with you. Um, so who remembers what it was like to be five or six years old? Yeah, so I have a niece and a nephew, and uh, and a couple years ago he was he was about five or six, and she was about three, and uh, they did that thing where you're going to school for the first time. So on Facebook they post all those questions like, you know, what's your favorite subject? What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, he said that he wanted to be a paleontologist, and she said that she wanted to be a unicorn. <laughs> but. That's what it was like growing up. You didn't think about what it would take to get what it is that you wanted. You just knew that you wanted to be something. You just knew that you had a dream. You just knew that you wanted to be a dinosaur scientist 
so bad and you didn't care what it was going to take, you were going to be a dinosaur scientist when you grew up. You didn't care what it was going to take, you were going to become a horse and sprout a horn and you were going to be a unicorn when you grew up. But what happens when we get older? We can begin to realize the cost of those dreams that God has put inside of our hearts. We begin to realize that, hey, I might want to be a scientist, but that's going to take a lot of college. That's going to take a lot of money. You might begin to think, oh, is it really worth that anymore? Is it really worth the cost that I'm going to have to pay for it? What dreams do you have? What dreams has God placed inside of you? Individually, what things do you want to accomplish in your life? What dreams are inside of you? What dreams do you have for your family? What dreams do you have for the kingdom? See, dreams are a gift given to us by God. And so many people, when you ask them, what do you want out of your life? They go, I don't know. I don't know. Well, if I ask you, what do you want out of your life? And you say, I don't know. Then congratulations, you're achieving it. Dreams are here to help direct us. Dreams are here to give us hope. Dreams are here to give us purpose for our life, to give us direction, to help us to know what it is that God is sending us after. But just having a dream, you also have to think about, am I willing to pay the cost? Am I willing to do what it takes to see that happen? If you knew what it would cost for you to achieve that dream, would you still be willing? So I want to talk to you today about a dreamer in the Bible. It's found in Genesis 37, talking about Joseph. Now, this is a story. They've had Disney movies made after Joseph, right? But he's an important person in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 37, it starts the story of Joseph. Verse 1 starts off, it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob, that's Joseph's father. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilphah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. His brothers weren't doing what they were supposed to do, and so he went and told his dad. He was a tattletale, a goody-goody, the rule follower. And then it goes on in verse 3. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably about him. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. 
So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his fathers rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers come down and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envy him, but his father kept the matter in mind. You see, this dream that God had given Joseph, it was in opposition to every, every part of the culture. It was in opposition to his situation. It was in opposition to his surroundings. Sons don't rule over their fathers, much less the 12th son doesn't rule over his father. And his brothers pointed at him and they said, how dare you have this dream? Isn't that the voice of the enemy in your life? How dare you have the dreams that you have? How dare you have a dream to pay for your children to go to college? Don't you know how expensive it is? How dare you have a dream to take personal time for yourself to be healthy? Don't you know how much work there is to do at our job? How dare you have a dream of owning a home? Don't you know about the market right now? How dare you have a dream to talk to your coworker about Jesus? Don't you know that it's not okay to talk about religion in the workplace? How dare you be a leader at your church? Don't you know who you are Monday through Friday? You see, the devil is always going to say, how dare you? How dare you believe this thing that God has spoken to you? How dare you believe that you might be worth something greater than what you're doing right now? So Joseph had this dream of ruling. He had this dream of leading his, his father, his mother, and his brothers. And Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him for it. They were going to kill him, but one brother stopped them and said, hey, why should we kill him? Let's sell him into slavery. Let's just put him in this cistern, in this well in the ground, and then we'll sell him. So they sold him into slavery, and he went to go serve in the house of Potiphar. Now, there's a lot to be talked about in there, but Eventually, because he was doing what he was supposed to there, it landed him in prison. And that's where he spent a large portion of his life with that dream still resting inside of there. The prison was preventing him from achieving the green. So what kind of prisons are trapping us? What kind of prisons have we been in? See, I work with men here at Teen Challenge and they have been in literal prisons. They've been in literal cells with the bars closed where they can't get out, where they can't go and do anything that the Lord has placed inside of them because they're locked up. But you don't have to be locked up with a key to be in a prison. See, there are some prisons that we build for ourselves. There are some prisons that we trap ourselves in. And one of those is debt. The Bible says this about debt. It says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. See, debt is a prison that will prevent us from going and achieving what it is that we want to go and achieve. I can't start my own business because I owe too much in debt. My wife and I, when we got married, we were not very smart with money. We, you know... 
are smarter with money now, but when we got married, we were not. You know, we thought we needed a wedding, so we had to pay for a wedding. We put it on a credit card. We had car notes. We, we had all this, all this stuff, and we found ourselves shortly after being married struggling with money, and, I, and we came together one day, and we said, hold on. We make enough money. We make enough money. Why, why are we struggling so bad? And we realized because we were just so in debt. We were so in debt. So we did everything we could to pay off debt. We did, we, I mean, we sacrificed. We didn't go on vacations just so that we could pay it all off. And we became debt-free. And let me tell you what becoming debt-free then allows you to do. It allows you to pack up everything that you have in your house, put it in a storage unit, and move across the country to be able to come and take over a ministry because the Lord has called you there. Debt is slavery. It's not just money that you owe someone, but it's freedom that you lose. You know, this isn't a sermon about money, but I really, really believe this, and I talk about it a lot because it will help you so much if you work to pay off debt. But we also get trapped in sin. We trap ourselves in a prison of sin. Galatians 3.22, it says, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Addictions, unrighteousness, anger, Sexual immorality, all these things are prisons that we build around ourselves that stop us from being able to achieve the things that the Lord has placed inside of all of our hearts. I went on a trip to England when I was about 24 years old, right in the middle of my addiction. It was a vacation of a lifetime. Uh, I was very fortunate to be able to go. But let me tell you what I remember about, I remember being sick from not being able to get high on the trip. I remember going and trying to buy booze and alcohol and anything I could just to make myself feel better. I remember nothing about the trip. I was in prison. I was in prison. But we also get trapped in prisons of our past. I can't go and achieve this because I'm not worthy of that. Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know what I've done to other people? How can I possibly be a leader because of what I've done to other people? How can I possibly be a father because of what I've done in the past? How can I possibly be a good husband or a good wife because of what I've done? That's a prison. You see, your past is an anchor that can weigh down your neck and pull you down and stop you from being able to achieve what the Lord has placed in, placed in your heart. But we also have prisons that people build around us. Words are spoken over us in our lifetime. And these can be good things and bad words, but they can also trap us either way. You see... When I was going through Teen Challenge, I had an awesome mentor. He was the, uh, he was the director. Um, he's now the director of the Teen Challenge in Lincoln. And he told me, he said, Brother, I just see you being a children's pastor. I just, I just see it over your life. And so I went to Bible college, and I thought, well, that's what was spoken over me, so I guess I have to be a children's pastor. So I 
tried very hard to be a children's pastor. I volunteered in the children's ministry and, uh, you know, I, I took classes and I realized, hey, that's not me, <laughs> you know. I like kids and I'm, I'm good with kids, maybe one-on-one, but when they outnumber me, I'm lost, you know. That's not a bad word. It's not a bad word that was spoken, but it was a prison that trapped me and stopped me from being able to go after the things that God had spoken to me. But there's also bad words that are spoken over you. You're not going to amount to anything. You're just like your father. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And if you allow it, that will trap you your entire life. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Words can bring death or life. But there's also things that have been done to you. We've all been through some things. Some have been through a lot more things than others. You know, unforgiveness lack of trust, insecurities, injury, all that stuff can trap you. It can prevent you from growing. It can prevent you from achieving. It can prevent you from believing in yourself. And then there's prisons of circumstance. Growing up in a broken home, that's not your fault. But it does prevent you. A generational curse is not your fault. But it does prevent you. Disadvantages, that's not your fault. But it does prevent you from achieving what God has called you. So I'm not just here to talk about the problem, right? It would be a, uh, it would be a very... Uh, discouraging sermon just to talk about the problem I'm here to talk about the solution we want to see people set free of prisons I want to see people go after the dreams that they have I want to see you have that dream inside of you be resurrected like Jesus was resurrected because that dream was placed there for a reason you're the only person that can achieve that, and that's why God put it in your heart. So, so Joseph was in prison, and while he was there in prison, God allowed him to work in people's lives. So Genesis 39, it says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, was with him, he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph had favor in prison because he loved God and because he was helping others. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do to help ourselves be free, but I think it boils down to those two things, to love God and to help others. Luke chapter 10, verse 20, 25 
says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied and says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered and said, you must love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to see, if you want to see yourself released from prisons, if you want to see yourself being able to achieve the things that the Lord has placed inside of you, you need to love God and you need to serve other people. So what does it mean to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, I'm going to give you the Emlyn Bailey interpretation. This is, you know, this is my, the way I read it, the way I look at it. It may be, it, you know, it may be correct, it may be wrong, but I'm trying to give some understanding to this verse. Love God with all your heart. Love God with all your heart. Does anybody here like boxing or, or fighting sports, combat sports, anything like that? Anybody interested in that? I, I'm, I watch it a little bit, mostly just clips because I like sports in general. But sometimes the announcer will go, his heart just wasn't in it. His heart just wasn't in it. What does that mean? That means he wasn't given the effort that he needed to give to win. To love God with all your heart means to love God with your effort. To love God with your effort. When Charlotte and I were dating, I used to drive. I, I would get off work at 10, 11 o'clock at night. I would drive an hour just to be able to hang out with her for 45 minutes before I had to drive to, get, to go home. I put some effort in <laughs> because I loved her. Love God with your effort. Love God with your effort. Do you come to church and put effort into worship? Or do you come to church and just stand there and allow the songs to be sung over you? Do when you read your Bible, do you read it just to check it off? Or do you put effort into understanding it? Love God with your effort. Love God with your all your heart, with all your soul. Our soul is our emotion. Love God with our emotion. I'm not a very emotional guy. I mean, I, 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 I grew up from my dad, so I mean, I, I'm, I didn't fall far from the tree. But God is asking us to love him with our emotion. In the book of Psalms, it's filled with people pouring out their emotion to God. God, I'm upset. God, I'm frustrated. God, I'm angry. God, I'm happy. God, I'm joyous. God, I feel light as air. Love God with your emotions. Religion says come to God in one single solitary way, but a relationship allows us to come to God and express how we're feeling. When I come, to, when I come home from work and Charlotte goes, how was the day? I have a relationship so I can express to her how I really feel about it. Love God with your emotions. Let it be an overflow of a relationship. Love God with your mind. Love God with your mind. Love God with what you're inputting into your mind. See, 
We have access to anything we want, television, music, movies, anything that we want. Do we say, when we go to pick out something to watch, do we say, does this really show that I love God? Or am I just really interested in what this has to be? There have been so many times where I've started watching a television program and said, you know what? This show really doesn't uh, show that I love God by me watching it. And I want to love God with what I'm putting in my mind. But it's also not what you're keeping out, but it's what you're putting in. Are you filling yourself with the word just on Sunday morning? Are you taking that time to fill yourself with the word throughout the week? Love God with what you're putting into your mind. And finally, love God with all your strength. Love God with your actions. And that really rolls into the next part of this, and that is to serve others. We serve others by praying for them, but really we serve others with our actions. We serve others by willing to help them move. We serve others by going and helping somebody cut grass that can't do it themselves. We serve others by making a meal when somebody just gets out of the hospital. So many times we're so focused on ourselves and my own problems, and the solution is just to stop thinking about yourself and begin to serve others. Stop being so focused on yourself and serve others. And I promise, we're going to see freedom. See, I think that everything that we're talking about, being released from a prison, can be boiled down into one Bible story from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16 is talking about Paul, and he's in prison. He's in an actual prison, not because he did anything to end up there, but because he was out there praising the Lord, was out there doing good works, and they locked him up for it. And it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But call, Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. You see, they were in prison. But they were loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength even though that they were locked up, potentially with a collar around their neck and their, and their wrists, they were putting forth effort in their relationship to God. They were singing psalms and hymns to God, putting forth effort in it. They were sharing their emotion. They were joyous singing to God. They weren't looking at their surroundings allowing the surroundings to dictate their relationship with God, they were looking to him. And then God opened up the doors, an earthquake came, and they were able to walk out. They could have run. They could have escaped. They could have been free. But no, they saw someone in need. They saw the prison warden about to kill himself because he let the prisoners escape. <laughs> 
They said, do yourself no harm, for we are here. And then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is one of the best, most encouraging verses in the whole Bible right here. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. That's all it takes. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You see, sometimes we want to be released from prison, but the first step is always going to be we got to believe in Jesus. We got to put our faith, our hope, our trust in the Lord. And when we do that, then we can start to love God with our heart, love God with our mind, love God with our emotions, our strength, our soul. But you can't do any of that. Truly, you can't do any of that without first putting your faith in Jesus, without first saying, Lord, I believe in you. I believe in you. I want to pray for you today. And what I want to pray is that the Lord is going to help resurrect some dead dreams in our lives. So many times we just go back and forth throughout our lives day after day, and we don't realize, even realize that the dreams that God has given us have died. We don't even realize that we've given up on it. We're just so focused on our day-to-day -day that we don't realize that while I may have wanted to be a dinosaur scientist when I was a kid, I've given up on that dream. I looked at the cost and said it was too hard. So I want to pray for the Lord to resurrect some dead dreams here in Selma, Alabama. So if everybody, if we could just close our eyes for a moment. Father, we just appreciate Jesus. Father, right here in this church this morning, we have some people and we've put some effort into loving you this morning. We worshiped you, put forth some effort. We had some emotion in, in worshiping you. We were putting in your word, putting in your worship this morning in our mind. And we're putting forth some action into loving you this morning, Lord. God, but there are so many of us here that have dreams that have, may have died, dreams that we don't even realize that we've let go of. Father, I just know for the men that I know here that they've been imprisoned and not been able to go and see the dreams that you've placed in their heart to be husbands, to be fathers, to be leaders. So, Father, I just pray that you would help bring these things to life. Bring them to life, Lord. Help resurrect dead dreams in this place today. Father, we love you, and we want to go and see these things that you've placed inside of our heart. We want to see it happen. So, Father, we just thank you so much.
people in out, Lord, I just pray that people in here that maybe don't have any goals, any ambition, any dream, Lord, that you would just give them dreams. Give them dreams for their family, for their city, for their church. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you are moving and bringing a father's heart here to Blue Jean Heart Church, God. That you are bringing a house of fathers here, Lord. We love you. Amen. That was awesome. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.